Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, October 4, 2019. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And before we get into it, let me apologize for us not recording until Friday this week. It's not ideal, I know, but this was a weird week schedule-wise. I traveled to Chicago on Tuesday, was at Big Ten Media Day on Wednesday, traveled back home on Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, and then I was at Memphis Madness on Thursday night with my pals, Future, Lil Baby, Moneybag Yo, Key Glock, and Young Dolph. So this was really the first time we've had to connect this week. Some of you had asked on Twitter, um, you know, when will the next episode of the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast drop? And let me remind you, the best way to never have to wonder about that, much less tweet about it, is to just subscribe to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast via Apple Podcasts. It's easy to do, just takes a click, and it helps us when you do it. So please go subscribe ASAP, and then whenever we have a new episode, it's going to be delivered right to your phone. And while you're there, uh, please rate the podcast five stars. Leave a kind comment if you're moved to do so. Like I said, it really does help, and we'd uh, we'd greatly appreciate it. Okay, let's get into it. The big news of the week is that California Governor Gavin Newsom has signed into law SB 206, and that means that in January 2023, student-athletes in California will be allowed to profit off of their name, image, and likeness without fear of punishment from their school or the NCAA, even if the NCAA has suggested, if not, outright said there could be punishment in the way of your team might not be able to compete for championships either way it's a game changer and since governor newsom signed that bill on monday lots of other states have declared or suggested they have a similar bill on the way we're talking about florida illinois new york pennsylvania several others so norlander the point i've made is that this issue is really snowballing on the ncaa um, even more quickly than almost anybody anticipated, state lawmakers, I, I think, have recognized that this is an easy way to score political points, get some national recognition. So they're doing it. They're jumping on it pretty quickly. Meantime, NCAA President Mark Emmert, he really isn't budging that much, just digging his heels in. But clearly, he's got a big problem on his hands. Norlander, uh, let's just start there. How big of a problem is this for Mark Emmert and the NCAA because they have forever had control over just about everything, and it seems, at least from my perspective, they don't really have much control over this topic anymore. They'd love to have control over it. Great to be back with you, GP. It has been a busy week, and before this podcast wraps, we're going to talk about uh, Moneybag Yo. (laughs) I did not recognize at least two of the hip-hop artists you named there, and we're going to get to Memphis' court, what is going on with FedEx Forum's basketball court. But... um, few things to talk about here since like the Newsom stuff happens Monday he goes on LeBron James's show uh signs the bill um and has really created significant national news parish like I had to go on CBS News to talk about this all the nightly news shows covered it uh Gavin Newsom has gotten in front of an issue which to his credit will will go down on the good side of his pol- political ledger here. Okay, you align yourself with LeBron, with LeBron James and and uh, all of the other you know famous people that are attaching themselves to this. I do want to repeat credit for Nancy Skinner, though, because it was her idea to get this bill going. Nancy Skinner, if she hadn't been informed of this, if you will, or educated on it in the past year and a half, we wouldn't be at this moment, so she deserves continual credit for what she's done. Now, Mark Emmert had an interview on Thursday with the Indianapolis Star Parish, and what he said wasn't surprising, but it wasn't inspiring. Because you ask, you know, how much is on the line for the NCAA and Emmer? I actually think that 
I had a story go up Thursday that kind of lays out what states are are uh, trying to put forth legislation. I think that this month, this very month, is as pivotal a month for the future of the NCAA, one way or the other, as we've had in a long time. And if you read the Q&A with Emmert and the Indianapolis Star, uh, the quotes that he provides there, I think, are not surprising, but also misleading, wrong, outdated. He does give some leniency to the idea that student-athletes should earn more, perish, or be afforded to have more, okay? But at the same time, he's trying to, at all costs, protect the idea of NCAA amateurism. And as we wait for later this month, when the working group presents that NIL recommendation, we still don't know what it's going to be. I I cannot wait to see what this will be. Um, You've got... Paris. Literally 30 minutes before we start this podcast, Florida legislation putting forth an even more aggressive bill, in my opinion, than what California did. That will start if it goes through, and there's no guarantee it will, but if it goes through, July 1, 2020. So to wrap it up and then take it as you please here, what we have is a bunch of states ready to move on this. Now, some are in session and some are not. Some politicians are going to wait to see what the NCAA does, uh, how, how the Board of Governors responds to the working group's recommendations. The NCAA and its working group, have to at least make ambitious movement forward. They, if, if it doesn't go as far as the California bill perish, if it gets close enough, perhaps the politicians, the NCAA, and some sort of overall federal act, they can come together and meet you know, somewhat halfway on this. But if this is going to be just breadcrumb steps here, okay, then there is a significant issue because you already have Florida. We are four days removed from California getting this signed in. Florida now has one. We will have state after state after state. And then it becomes an issue that the NCAA simply cannot handle. It will have to have a Hail Mary. It will have to hope the Supreme Court wants to take the case and then rule on the side of the NCAA. That would obviously be many years down the road. But short of that, um, it's really got to hope that it can step forward into the future in a hurry. Yeah, like baby steps are not going to work on on this issue. Um, you know, when California's bill is first proposed, and you're exactly right, uh, Gavin Newsom's getting you know all of the attention this week. Nancy Skinner is the one that got this ball rolling, if you will. Gavin Newsom just took the photo op or video op or LeBron op to raise his profile, and um, and, and so he's been in the headlines. But either way, the thought was, okay, NCAA, you've got till January first, two thousand twenty-three, to figure this out. Well, the other states are making it clear, eh, maybe not. You know, it could be January 1st, 2020. Like, you know, they, they're really um, uh, moving the the calendar in the wrong direction for the NCAA. And that Q&A in the Indianapolis Star was interesting because Mark Emmert is speaking in absolutes. And I don't think he's in any position right now on this topic to speak in absolutes. Like he said, um, there's simply no way to have a national organization you know, governing college athletics if, you know, individual states are going to have their own rules. He said it, it is, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but he, he says you simply can't do it. It doesn't make sense. It can't be done. And so what that suggests to me is um, you know, we're, we're in one of two options here. Either whatever rule changes the NCAA implements are going to fall in line with the most ambitious laws any state has put on the books at whatever time, or we've got something that Mark Emmert says can't be done because I'm not sure, and you've left the door open for it, and perhaps it will be. There could be some compromise where some lawmakers could walk some stuff back. 
um, in the spirit of compromise. Right. But right now, they don't seem interested in that at all. Like, hey, we've waited on you to do something for decades. You've never done anything of significance um, to, to allow student-athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness. This has been a topic of conversation, a topic of debate for a long time. We're not waiting on you anymore. Now you better catch up to our schedule. And so it, it's going to be fascinating to watch because when I wrote a column about it earlier this week, you know, I posted on Facebook. And what I found, and we'll get into this in a minute, um, this is a, a, typically whatever the topic is. Like, should Zion return to Duke and, and continue his freshman season or just shut it down and be the number one pick in the draft? Like, people, and then people can have different sides on that, but everybody's like sort of operating with a clear understanding of, of what we're talking about. And this is a topic, I'm not saying it's the only one, but man, it's the one that's been the most in my face over the past month, where no matter how many times you explain it, no matter how many times you write about it, talk about it, tweet about it, people try to argue from positions of ignorance. They don't understand the, the topic. It, it, this seems to be a very confusing topic um, for a lot of people. And so mm. I, I, I put the column on Facebook, and this guy responds, and he says, you know what? Seems simple to me. Just ban California from the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, that is, you know, in fairness to that guy, it is kind of what Mark Emmert suggested initially. Like, Yeah, you know, of course. Maybe, Maybe USC and Stanford just won't be competing for championships. But we're at a point now, like, okay, you're going to ban USC and UCLA and Stanford, plus Florida, Florida State and Miami, plus uh, Illinois, plus um, Penn State. Plus, Villanova, I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, you're just in – that ain't happening now. No shot. can't ban half the country from competing in college athletics. Suddenly, the thing the NCAA loves the most, which is selling events to television networks – if you don't have all these schools competing, you don't have a product to sell for a billion dollars. So that ain't happening. And they so they've got to really, really um, figure this out. And I, I'm, uh, you know, the NCAA is is so tightly attached to the concept of amateurism that I I, I really don't think they're just going to concede. Mm-hmm. But short of conceding, they're in a big, big fight. And I don't know with, with while acknowledging like. You know, the court systems are the court systems, and I'm not a lawyer. But, man, it seems like they got a big fight on their hands. Here's what I think. Here's my prediction, and we'll see how true or not it comes to be. The working group is going to bring a proposal to the Board of Governors, okay? And then the Board of Governors will review it and ultimately decide if it's happy with it, what needs to be altered, added, subtracted, and then uh, put into effect. I would say it would go into effect... 2021 is my guess. Whatever they're going to try and put on forth, I think it'll go maybe 20, even 2022, because they're going to because what the NCAA is going to want to do is they're going to want to make sure that the, to the best of their ability, they cycle out many of the current college athletes and have kind of the next wave come in. Um, I think that the proposal will have some measure parish of NIL empowerment that will fall short of what California and Florida are proposing here. Um, but it will not be a complete half measure. But what I'm most interest, interested to see are, because I, I guarantee you this working group is talking with NCAA people, lawyers, trying to think of every possible scenario here, okay? The one thing that I actually haven't heard a lot of people talk about that I think most college athletes will stand to make money from in, a, in an immediate way and will the NCAA try and write legislation to prevent this? And if it does, will the states be okay with it or not? 
Parrish, we're going to the Champions Classic in a matter of a month, okay? And two, three, five years down the road, if a rule like this is in place, what is to stop the number one player for Duke, the number one player for Michigan, the number one player for Kansas, the number one player for Kentucky after they play their first college game to say, you know what? Great game. I'm going to sell my jersey. Follow me on Instagram or whatever whatever platform is out there selling one's own memorabilia, which, by the way, I believe you and I agree they should have the complete right to do, okay? Sure. Uh, that is the one thing that I think would be the most common way that these players receive money, and I have no problem with it. But I almost expect the NCAA to really see that coming and to try and write some sort of legislation in that says – the and this might already be there. I don't know it for sure. That the university owns the shoes, the university owns the uniforms, and they're gonna oh, right. So it's that kind of stuff as we move forward. Where I I don't know how these issues get resolved because because damn it, if you're wearing if you're if you are wearing the uniform, maybe even the shoes more than anything, you should be able to sell it. So that's just one area in particular I haven't heard a lot of people talking about, the selling of one's athlete's own piece of merchandise, GP. Well, the one on that specific topic, and like that's the thing. We can talk in big terms about all of this and sort of paint with a broad brush, but then you go, okay, okay, we've settled this. Now what about this specific situation? Would this be okay or not? And I do think that you've hit on it. With that, I would assume – the let's just say it's 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 uh zion williamson in college i'm going to assume duke's going to say we provide your uniforms that you don't own that that's ours you cannot sell that um and i think that's and and, it's somebody who is completely on the side of student athletes rights i think that's probably reasonable like you can um if you want to do a deal with nike and get your own jerseys and sell them. Maybe that's something that can be done on the right. side. But the idea that you could put on a jersey, play in the Champions, Cali- uh, Champions Classic, then throw it on Instagram and sell it, <laughs> and just expect to show up in the locker room tomorrow with a brand new jersey. There's got even I would say that's probably excessive, and I don't say anything's excessive. Right, but this exact I know I agree, but this exact thing is what the NCAA is terrified over. I will bring up, by the way, I didn't even consider this. Um, uh, Dan Wetzel had a column earlier this week that mentioned, I think this is brilliant. I don't know if you can write legislation that can prevent it, but let's say you've got, uh, uh, GP, who's the Memphis player who missed the free throws? Washington, back in Dar- the day. Darius Washington. Okay. Heartbreaking moment. And Or you've got, uh, you know, Farouk Manesh the dudes on UMBC, and suddenly you have people wanting to pay these players through their Venmo accounts or through GoFundMes or whatever, I have no issue with that. If you if you have, if you've got 10 drunk bros that are like, yeah, send them 100 bucks. No problem with that whatsoever. But will the NCAA try and have rules that prevent that? And really, if you're going to do that, what's what's really so different on a basic level between that and the same exact player three days later signing autographs for money. You know, there's really not on a fundamental level much uh, that much of a difference there. So yeah, again, I know we talked about this on the previous podcast as well. I, it's it's a naughty, thorny issue. I get all of that, but I mean, I, the Emmer interview was just frustrating. Like I was hoping for a, a, at least a little bit of an acknowledgement because last thing, Paris, and I'll, I'll let you have this. Seton Hall published a poll on Thursday nationwide. More than 700 adult Americans all over the country. Are you in favor of this? National NIL rights for players. 
Yeah, to, to uh, by a two to one margin, yes. And the ones that were against it, thirty two percent, most of them were up upward of the age of fifty and sixty. You get to thirty and younger, aka the future, aka where we're going to be going with the NCAA. Eighty percent approve of this. So when Mark Emmert speaks on this, and he's he's no dummy, like he understands it. He is. It's not just like it's not like a 55-45 deal. No, like the public by a significant margin has changed on this issue here and it does the NCAA and it's really the university presidents no favorites whatsoever to try and just dig their heels in the sand and, and try and uh, draw a line here where there isn't one anymore. To me, that's the biggest problem the NCAA is facing right now. You know, outside of the the obvious legal problems is they've got a court of public opinion problem and um, Gavin Newsom, the California governor, you know, he, he's talked about this earlier in the week. He said, you know, th- they're on the wrong side of this. They do not have the people on their side anymore. And it's why eventually, yes, the working group um, is going to submit recommendations that are clear. It seems clear, even according to Mark Emmer, they're going to move it this direction in terms of allowing student athletes to profit off name and image and likeness. But I agree with you. I don't think they're going to go as far as the California law. But here's the issue then. In, in theory, you would go, well, maybe then the California lawmakers will compromise and, and come back to the middle a little bit and meet the NCAA, and then we could have standard rules and laws um, across all 50 states. And, and maybe that is exactly what will happen. I won't pretend to know. But to your point about the polls, what um, what – for what reason would Gavin Newsom go the other direction now when he's clearly on the popular side of this? Like once you're on the popular side of an issue, particularly if you're a politician, there's really no reason for you to compromise or to go back the other way. No, hey, we're not going to meet you in the middle. We're on the right side of this. We're the ones that the people believe in. We're the ones that, um, you know, I'm earning political points by sticking to my guns. Why would I not stick to my guns? That would scare me if I'm Mark Emmert because this is a situation where, again, I don't know for certain, but I'd be surprised if compromise works because what these states are doing right now is um, is the popular thing to do. And as we kind of step forward into October and then in the coming months here, um, you've got two different federal bills Paris that can go through, okay, and how different they are, and if there will be a need for two, I, I don't know. We'll wait and see on all of that. Um, but if at the federal level this can gain serious momentum, I mean, the, the NCAA is going to have no choice. And it is, you know, Newsom... He played, he got a partial baseball scholarship to Santa Clara back in the 80s. So he comes from a place of some experience. And he, he said earlier this week uh, on, a, on a conference call, I asked him, um, how many times have you spoken with Mark Emmert? What did you talk about? And is there anything uh, outside of his public stance on this that's worth, worth sharing? And he said, frankly, no, he didn't really, there's nothing illuminating to share from those conversations. What he told me is what he's already said. But he did tell me that he got to know Mark Emmert and he has respect for Mark Emmert, but he got to know him like five, six, seven years ago when Newsom was on um, the Board of Regents for the California State Schools. And he was had, a, had an opinion on this then. And the NCAA and many of its presidents knew that there was going to be some sort of movement on this in the coming years then and still opted to do nothing. So this this did not – while it looks from afar that the California bill has kind of taken the NCAA by surprise, 
It hasn't, one, because they've known that this issue issue is morally wrong forever, whatever. And two, they knew that there were politicians on the ground that wanted to change something about this in 2012 and 2014. The, the, there is a politician in the state of Washington who in January of this year presented the, the same kind of bill that could, go into, that could go into effect in the state legislature next year, Parrish. You know, I, I, I don't know what the NCAA can do outside of accepting the reality of the situation. Maybe it won't, and I really don't want this. Like, I, I do not want a situation here where it refuses to bend. We've got nine states that have, that have activated this by, like, January 1, 2021, and then it's just, like, court case after court case. Like, because then it's a, just a total mess, and it would, if anything, it would show how pointless all this is because then you'd have the NCAA trying to potentially remove those teams from postseason competition. They wouldn't do it. It'd be like, okay, well, we're going to take the records away from you. And like, what are we even doing here in that instance? So yeah, it could be uh, something of a shit show going forward, but I just can't emphasize enough. Whatever the working group proposes later this month in October, that is what's going to be what wags the dog going forward because a lot of politicians are waiting to see if the NCAA has a mea culpa and says, okay, our bad, here's what we think we can do. If I were giving them advice, I would tell them to to go further than they want to, and and like if it were up to me, go all the way as far as the California law, and and then this becomes much more um, simpler to to resolve. But again, I don't think they're going to do that, and it's because you mentioned earlier you said um, the NCAA's biggest fear is. Do you remember what you said? Uh, well, they they have a lot of fears, but the the NCAA's uh, well, one of their biggest fears is that this. I don't think I said this specifically right here on this podcast, but that this becomes something that they can't control where you've got nine states with nine, similar legislation, but effectively nine different bills, and you've got Florida, California, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Minnesota, South Carolina, go on down the list, Parish, and then they, they just – it is so unwieldy, there is – threats are, are – they're shallow. You, you can't you can't threaten to kick out nine different states. You know? Right. So I, I guess here would be my point. Uh, to me, the NCAA's biggest fear is this. Uh, the NCAA works for university presidents. You know, Mark Emmert constantly, um, you know, reverts to, uh, you know, um, ident- you know, talking about, you know, when you talk to the, the membership, you know, when you talk to the membership, when you talk, that means when you talk to university presidents, that's what that means. And the truth is, because I know some people would say, okay, listen, I'm for name, image, and like, likeness rights. You're for name, image, and likeness rights. Why wouldn't the NCAA just do this? The answer is right here. The NCAA doesn't want to go as far as California law, which would, again, allow student-athletes to essentially accept anything in exchange for their name, image, and likeness uh, rights without fear of punishment from the NCAA or their school. The reason the NCAA doesn't want to go that far is because... What will inevitably happen, and this is just true, is that let's just say it, suddenly you, they'll lose control of some of the money. They don't right now. They control all the money without a doubt, and they do. That is the biggest fear. If yes. we're trying to actually identify the biggest fear, the biggest fear is if we do what California state law wants us to do. If we adjust our rules to to um, engulf their their law, we will lose control of a good percentage of the money because here's what would absolutely happen let's say that there's a a a big company in the state of oklahoma and they give a million dollars a year to oklahoma whatever this company i'm sure i'm sure it exists they give a million dollars a year to the oklahoma athletic department and the oklahoma athletic department has that money 
to do with do with it whatever they like. If suddenly student athletes are able to accept money for their name, image, and likeness rights, I know that this isn't the way it's intended to work, but it is the way it will work. Um, it will become a recruiting tool. So when people try to argue against this by saying, well, it's going to become a recruiting tool, I concede the point. I've, I, I, I just don't care if it becomes a recruiting tool for a lot of different reasons. But I acknowledge it will become a recruiting tool. And what will happen is Oklahoma will be recruiting the same running back that Texas is recruiting. And it'll be made known to this running back prospect that, hey, listen, if you come to Oklahoma – um, there's a company, they're going to put you on billboards commercials, or maybe not, but either way, $300,000 um, for every year that you're in college. And, um, you know, in the, you know that, that's, what we, that's what we can promise will get done for you. And then Texas will do whatever it does. But let's just say that ultimately um, the kid says, okay, I'm going to go to Oklahoma, and I know the day that I enroll, I'm going to sign an endorsement deal for $350,000. Well, this company that gives a million dollars a year right. to Oklahoma's athletic department might then say, listen, we're giving a million dollars a year one way or another. So now we're giving $350,000 we promised to this running back. We'll give the other $650,000 to the athletic department, as we normally would. Well, now that athletic department is only controlling 65% of a million dollars as opposed to 100% of a million dollars. That is, again, don't quibble with the numbers. Like mm -hmm. the numbers might be high, might be low, might be exactly right. I don't know. But that thing would happen. And ultimately, when you are trying to figure out why university presidents, why, I mean, you, it's funny. You go talk to athletic directors, conference commissioners, and university presidents, and the NCAA, and they're all against this. And they've all got their reasons. What's, what's, but what's the one thing in common with that group of people? They're all making money off of they're it. They're making ob obscene amounts of money off of it. Right. Yes. But, but they're also controlling all of the money yes. in the current system. That's the key. It's not just that they're all making money, because they'll all make money regardless. They're, all, they're controlling the money. That's the key. And so when you ask these people, why are you against name, image, and likeness rights? They'll say, well, you know, we're trying to maintain a level playing field. There is no main, the level playing field, so shut up. That one doesn't work. Well, we don't, you know, we're scared that it would professionalize college athletics. Hey, have you seen your football stadiums lately? You seen your television contracts lately? You seen your coaching salaries lately? Like the, my favorite baseball team, the New York Mets, just fired their manager. All right? Mickey Calloway from right here in uh, Germantown, Tennessee. He, uh... You know what his contract was? I'm gonna let me blindly. I actually thought that you were gonna say it. Let me guess. So, annual or total? His initial deal was a three-year deal worth how much? Three-year deal. I'll say total four point one million. I believe it was two point eight five million. Crazy. Okay, so you can Not be a bad SEC basketball coach and make more money than the manager of the New York Mets. So don't talk to me about you don't want to professionalize college athletics it has been professionalized in every way you can professionalize it except for the people on the field or the court aren't being properly compensated so that explanation doesn't pass any sort of smell test the truth is this why do these people fight so hard against name image and likeness rights because they will lose control of a significant amount of money and they don't want to lose control of any of the money. Now, there's also just an egregious shifting of the goalposts with this entire discussion that happens with Emmer and he had it in that uh, in that Indy Star interview. I've heard it before. We're going to hear it some more. I think an athletic director said it as well. And it's this idea that's like we're not opposed to the kids making money 
you we just want you to go pro. It's not our rule, and that's correct. It's not the NCAA's rule. Okay, it is the NBA's rule. I'm also hearing, and if this wasn't Emmer, it was someone else. I've been trying. I've been reading so much on this in the past three, four days. I'm losing track. But someone actually suggested that the NFL. Not uh, do you know who it was? The well, N- Jim Delaney. Um, the Big Ten commissioner. So what, I was at Big Ten Media Day. Did he say that the NFL should have its age minimum be 18 years old? Because someone someone in, in power said this, which is absurd. Jim, I don't know if he said it exactly that way, but he certainly said, and and honestly, like, listen, you know, there, there are these guys, these people that are paid to argue on behalf of the NCAA, like Bill Hancock, right? He used That's to who it was. That. That's exactly who it was. It was Hancock who said, which is, <laughs> which, by the way, Bill Hancock does not work for any university. Like the college yeah. football playoff uh, entity is its own thing that's, yeah, attached to college athletics, but he has no real vested uh, stake in, in whether or not, like, who gets yeah. in. Anyway, yeah, it was, thank you. No, it was no, Hancock. No, Bill, Bill Hancock's amazing. And let me say this first. He's a nice man. I know him. We've, we've, we've worked together on at certain television stuff. He's a nice man, but he will say anything you want him to say as long as you are, um, you know, having direct deposits into his checking account. He used to be the guy in charge of the BCS, yeah, or in charge of talking, speaking publicly about the BCS, right? So he's on TV, radio, anywhere you'd have him, and he'd explain to you in great detail: we cannot go to a playoff because a playoff will ruin the regular season, and then smart people would argue how it actually doesn't. It'll in, it'll enhance the regular season, and you can't go to a playoff because of this, you know, and that, and whatever. And then smart people would say that doesn't make any sense, and then boom, they went to a playoff, and Bill Hancock immediately became the guy who publicly defends the college football. Playoff, and so now his new gig is why you can't go to an eight-team playoff, right? <laughs> okay, first keep in mind, literally same guy who said you can't go to a fourteen playoff, but now you got a fourteen playoff, and he's saying, okay, this is great, this is so great, it makes no sense to do anything other than this, and you can't go to eight because of ABC. And let the record show, it's October fourth, two thousand nineteen, but I could have said this on October fourth, two thousand twelve. We will someday have an eight-team eight college football playoff, yeah, we will. and it'll be awesome, and nobody will hate it. That's nobody correct. It. All right? And then, and trust me, if Bill Hancock's still alive, and I hope he is because, like I said, he's a nice man, um, he'll be defending the eight-team playoff and explaining <laughs> to you why you can't go to 16. It's just a never-ending cycle. So it's, it's, it's Bill and people like Bill who try to argue against this, and Jim Delaney made the exact same argument that you heard Bill Hancock make earlier this week. And let me be clear. If you paid me to, say, you can, hey, yeah, okay. If, if you said no, not pay, not pay me under the table. No, I'm just saying. Are you about to say that if you paid me twenty million dollars, I'd say that college athletes don't deserve to get paid? Or that is that what you're about to say? Probably. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, if we're being honest, I, like I twenty million dollars. Yes, <laughs> I got three kids. Twenty million dollars. <sighs> I'll squash every student athlete. You stay poor, young man. I'm putting my kids through college. Absolutely. I, I got a price. Listen, I got a price. As long as I don't, I'm not financially invested in the deal, then I'll just come down on the – I'll just I'll just say what's right. But $20 million? I'll lie for $20 million. I've lied for way less than that. <laughs> so, so here's what I would say. If you told me it was my job, like if the NCAA hired me tomorrow, they said, GP, we were listening to the podcast. We 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 hated the first twenty minutes of it, but then you got to that point where you admitted you'd be willing to lie for twenty million dollars. 
we got $20 million because we don't have to pay student athletes. So we got all <laughs> so sorts of got money. This, so we got so much money to give you right now. <laughs> okay, so we, we have, we, you have no idea how much money we have <laughs> to give you because we don't have to give it to the quarterback at Alabama or the running back at Oklahoma. So we got all this money, and we're actually going to give you $20 million because we know people are listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. <laughs> $20 million, we need you to be the new spokesperson for the NCAA and your primary goal purpose has to be to convince people why this current system is good enough and go if you told me that was my job i would sort of go down the same path that jim delaney the big 10 commissioner goes because the point he makes is that we are college athletics and i'm paraphrasing here but this is essentially his point and again i i i reject it at, at on at well value. you reject it at your current salary but continue i, I yeah i reject it for anything less than $20 million. Um, but, like, his his point is, like, it's pretty, again, it's wrong. But if you're trying to defend this indefensible system, this is how you do it, I think. It's the way Jim Delaney does it. He says, we're college athletics. We don't put a gun to anybody's head. We've never said, young man, you have to come play football at Ohio State. Young man, you got to come play baseball at Michigan. We, we simply say this is what we're offering, and what we're offering is an amazing education, an amazing experience, unbelievable coaching, training, unbelievable facilities, and unbelievable connections, and then you can leave school debt-free with all of these advantages that you've used your athletic ability to, to, to create for yourself, and we think that's awesome. Like that That's what so many of us who now work in jobs like my job – it's it's what it's what we had available to us we appreciated it and we've used it to to better our lives and so that's what we're offering and let us be clear if somebody decides that's not good enough for them or they have better options or they want to be a professional we're, we we encourage them to go do that so please go play professional basketball and you go play professional football out of high school and if there isn't a great league because the NFL will not um, change its 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 draft requirements, then you need to be stop arguing with us and go argue with the NFL and tell them to let you be in that league. Just like baseball has every high school player in the country has an option. You can you can you're available to the Major League Baseball draft. If you are selected, um, you can negotiate with a Major League Baseball team. And if you want to be a professional, go do that. But if you don't, you can come to college and we're here for you. And if you're not drafted and you still don't want to come to college, you can go do whatever you want to do. That doesn't matter to us at all. But we're not forcing anybody into college. People act like when R.J. Hampton skips college to go play professional basketball in New Zealand, that bothers us. It doesn't bother. We're happy for him. He is exploring all of his opportunities, and he wanted to be a professional. He made that clear. So go. But we have no interest in having professionals in college athletics, and that's the system that we're going to continue to have in place. For $20 million, I could make that argument pretty well. Again, I don't believe in any of that, but that is Jim Delaney's argument, essentially, and I do think that's the best, the best of bad, but the best argument they got. And it's easily refuted uh, for a number of reasons, because, one, putting the onus on the NFL is outrageous. Um I think there might be a potential uh, case to be won eventually down the road. I know Maurice Claret at Ohio State lost his. Uh, that says three years removed from high school um, is too long, and maybe that eventually changes to two. Uh, with basketball and, the, and the, the nature of that sport versus football, yes. And we are expecting that that rule will eventually get changed back. But it, this 
I know that a lot of this is related to the revenue producing sports, football, men's basketball, and in a couple instances, women's basketball. But even within that, first of all, that's I, I, I reject that because you still like if you are a swimmer and you want to make money off of giving swim lessons, you just you deserve the chance to do that, right? But even with even beyond that, there are literally hundreds of players perish who don't have the ability to go pro out of high school. Thousands of players, okay? Thousands of players that might one day make it professionally that cannot do it at 17 or 18 years old. When those players go to college, they deserve the chance to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. I don't care if it's $1 or $100,000, okay? So you cannot present this false equivalence. Mark Emmer can't say, you know what? We want these kids to make money if they have the ability to do so. You have a choice between pro and college. No, actually, most of the kids don't have that choice. They want to continue to play college basketball or football because it's what they've gotten so good at. Do you realize how good you have to be to be a Division One athlete, okay? And then how much better you have to be to have real, realistic pro asp- aspirations? So there is this wide pool of players that, when they get to college, still should have the right to potentially make some money off of that. So I, that's why I don't buy this whole putting the onus on the pro leagues and having them change their rules. It's not on us. We wouldn't want them to do it. You can go to the G League and all that. I... I you should be able to get the benefits of an education and still be able to make money on the side. I agree with you. And again, I was—I think I know you are, but I'm just—you know—I I, I was yeah. making that point to make the counter argument, right. or at least explain the Jim Delaney argument. But you touched on something there that I think is interesting um, because it's something I see get batting batted around on, on social media. Uh, our friend and former colleague Doug Gottlieb is on the other side of this argument. He's way closer with Jim Delaney than he is you. Or I, I don't believe you. <laughs> Doug is out there starting Twitter fights every day. I, it seems exhausting every day. <laughs> so um, the point he makes is, and I, I think this is where he's just got a, a disconnect. And I say this as respectfully as I can say it. He says, um, the players don't really have any value. If if you think these student athletes have value in California, tell them to go play for a California G League team and see how many um, endorsements they get then. The truth is, this is according to Doug, that you know even these top twenty, these five star prospects, for the most part, they have no value unless they're at a university. the The university provides the value. You're just another basketball player until you put on a Kentucky uniform. Then you put on a Kentucky uniform. Now you are a basketball player with value, but you don't actually have value. You just have value because of the university at which you're now playing, which to me just logically falls apart because to me, it doesn't matter why you have value. It only matters if you do. For instance, I agree to argue. um, Ashton Hagen's has no value or marketability except for the fact that he's playing at Kentucky. In other words, he, he has no value to anybody and to and if not for Kentucky is to argue that Michael Phelps has no value to anybody if not for the Olympics or to value, to to right. to insist Usain Bolt has no value to anybody if not for the Olympics well you can't separate the two he's Usain Bolt Olympic gold medalist yeah. he's Michael Phelps Olympic gold medalist he's Ashton Hagen's Kentucky basketball player so to me it is 
totally irrelevant what you might be worth independent of your college attachments. Once you attach yourself to that thing, if you then have value, you should be able to profit off of that value. You should be able to maximize that value. And that's the the, the, the thing that, I, I, and I haven't had this conversation privately with Doug, but he keeps making the same argument. I'm just like, I, I don't understand the disconnect. Like, I agree for the purposes of this conversation, without the Olympics, Michael Phelps is just a dude who spends a whole lot of time in a swimming pool. And Usain yeah. Bolt's just a dude who can like maybe outrun a car or two. But with the Olympics, they become incredibly valuable entities. And for me, college athletes are exactly the same. I don't care why Kyler Murray has value once he's the quarterback at, the, at, at, at Oklahoma. All I care about is does he have value once he is the quarterback at Oklahoma? And if he is, he should be able to take advantage of that. Which leads into one more aspect of this that I wanted to touch on with you, and you bringing up Kyler Murray is perfect because there is also, I don't know if it's misplaced concern, but this notion that an economical imbalance in the locker room is going to deteriorate the integrity of team sports at the college level. Kyler Murray was making millions of dollars last year from baseball and was the most popular player in college football. And you can even get cynical with it and say, listen, these dudes already know that if you're playing, you know, in a 13 man locker room uh, in college basketball, that you know, that the, that the given top recruit, you know, is, is already making money and, and the number seven guy isn't or whatever, like whatever. Um, I just don't buy into it. Uh, yeah, sure. It's going to be, I, I don't deny that this probably on a certain level is going to be tougher for coaches. Like if you are inherently dealing with, with more of these things around your players and like, like real world money stuff. Yeah. Like that's, that's not going to make it easier. doesn't mean that it shouldn't happen or that it isn't right. But, uh, um, but Kyler Murray is almost the perfectly timed example of why that argument really doesn't hold much water here because he opted to play football quite literally for the love of the game. Okay, And sure, maybe because he preferred it to baseball and thought that maybe he could parlay uh, being a really good college football player into what he's become, the number one draft pick, which is insane. But he had a great standing offer from the Oakland Athletics uh, more than a year ago, drafted him. Millions of dollars could have done that, but instead decided to play football instead. And look what Oklahoma did. Look what he helped do to that program. You could easily argue that he was worth even more money than what he received last year. And it didn't corrode the Oklahoma program. So um, I've seen that brought up here and there. I just... I don't buy it. I'm not saying that it's not without issue, and I'm not saying that it's not something that might lead to some transfer stuff like 10 years down the road, but it certainly is not a good enough reason to, to add on to a flimsy pile of reasons as to why we should not be doing this. I'll actually argue it is a non-issue. I mean, like, in what workplace? And, and in some ways, these will become workplaces. In some ways, they already are. But in what workplace does everybody make the same amount of money? Right. Like, I, I, I work at CBS, I'm, I know I make more money than some people I work with. I also know I don't make as much money as other people I work with. Yeah. You, know, I, I, you know, like I'm, I don't make as much money as Tony Romo. That might surprise <laughs> you. We both work same place. We both have the same CBS sport coat. We do not make the same amount of money. And I don't resent Tony Romo. I mean, a little, a little. But okay. it's not- going after Tony? <laughs> but it's not a problem. And, and, and forget me for a second. Let's just go back to to um to sports because you're exactly right and this is one of the misconceptions i wanted to get to because i've seen it over and over again people saying well what happens when the point guard makes you know two hundred thousand dollars and the eighth guy on the bench is is it making anything 
Well, I think at a, at a at a school where the point guard can make two hundred thousand dollars, the eighth guy on the bench probably is going to make something from somebody. Like, hey, come on down to the car lot, uh, you know, on the, the corner of second and and thirty first, and, 31st and uh, <laughs> sign out for five thousand dollars. Like something's there, something more than they're getting right there. I'm I'm confident. But either either way, um, well, first off, every professional league deals with this. Like I, again, I'm a Mets fan. Robinson Cano made twenty one million dollars this year. Pete Alonso hit 50 home, three home runs. He made $555,000 this year. Patrick Mahomes right now, the most talented player, given the way that that league sets up its rookie wage scale, is, is I don't even know where he lands, but it's not in the top 200 in the league. Right. So, like, this is like a thing that all every team deals with at the professional level. And yet, like, I watched the uh, Dodgers uh, uh, last night beat the Nationals. I know those guys are making different amounts of money. Some of them are making a lot. Some of them are making not that much. They all looked happy. They looked like they were having a blast, right? So if the Dodgers can figure this out and the Warriors can figure this out, the Raptors can figure it out, and the Chiefs and the Patriots and everybody else can figure it out, having a locker room or a clubhouse where uh, people on the team make different amounts of money and every workplace in the United States of America can figure it out, I'm going to trust that college locker rooms can also figure it out, that it'll largely be a non-issue. But here's the thing. We already have inequitable situations in college locker rooms. Um, Though in basketball, if you have 13 scholarship players, you have 13 full scholarships. Everybody's on a full scholarship. Same thing in college football. 85 scholarships, everybody gets a full scholarship. It's not the same way in baseball. It's not the same way in lots of sports. So right now, in co- this is what people are worried about. What happens when somebody gets more than somebody else? How's that good? It already happens in college athletics on baseball teams. Somebody there is on a full ride, and somebody there is just getting books. And I ne- I if if there's been a fight in a college locker room over, you think you're worth a full scholarship, and I'm only worth a third? <laughs> punch, punch, punch. If that happened, I just did. I missed it. Right? I didn't read about it. And and and. Forget what you think I might think about it. Um, uh, our friends, you mentioned Dan Wetzel from Yahoo, Pat Forty uh, from Yahoo. His daughter is a Pac-12 swimmer, an, an amazing, like, you know, Olympic-level uh, It's swimmer. wild, man. It, it, yeah. it's, in, it's like credit to him and that family. That's like, that's just, that's insane. No, it's insane to raise a family of swimmers because that takes real dedication. <laughs> like I asked Pat one time, I'm like, so what? The, what's the what's the schedule on something like that? And he was like, Well, we get up at four. I'm like, Nope, my kids. Yeah. <laughs> just no. no shot. I'm, I'm about like I'm about to go fill my pool in in the backyard <laughs> with concrete just to make sure my kids didn't, don't even get it in their head that they think they can be swimming. Like I, I ain't. Listen, I want I want great things for my kids, but not if I got to get up at four o'clock in the morning every morning. I don't want great things for my kids that much. So, um, but here's my point. Like, and I don't know the scholarship situation there, but my understanding is, um, you know, some swimmers get a lot, some swimmers don't get nearly as much. And Pat's, you know, I, I listened to uh, Pat and Dan and uh, Pete Thamel talk about it on their podcast, and Pat was just like, "Listen, it's not something that people talk about. It's not an issue." Like I've never, he, Pat's like, as a parent of one of the student athletes, I've never had a single conversation with another parent or another person about, "Do you think it's fair that this person gets that and this person?" It's just, mm-hmm. it's a total straw man thing people are looking for reasons to be against student athletes uh, profiting off their name image and likeness so they come up with the best hypotheticals they can imagine and this is one that keeps coming up and uh it's just it's fundamentally wrong it's rooted in in an incorrect place it would not be the problem that anybody thinks it would be there's tons of more misconceptions out there we're going to get to those in just a second Uh, but first 
Um, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So we were talking about misconceptions with what would happen if you allow student-athletes to profit off their name, image, and likeness, as Norlander pointed out. Uh, people have been concerned about, you know, you got you got the quarterback making a lot, an offensive line and making nothing. And I swear to God, from that, they conclude the offensive lineman will blow his assignment intentionally <laughs> so that the quarterback will get sacked and die. Like, it's really where these people are taking it. It's just nonsensical. The other one, I got a tweet from a guy named Mike Walland. It's at Mike, W-A-H-L-O-U-N-D, <laughs> if you want to go find okay. him. <laughs> I don't have time to fight with all these people, but if some of y'all, there is nothing I appreciate more, by the way, than when I tweet a column or tweet something and these idiots make the same stupid points or ask the same dumb questions that they've been, that they ask every time this topic comes up. And I'm like, I'm not arguing. I'm not going to fight this out again. Like I've made these points a hundred times. There's nothing I appreciate more than when one of you guys, and by you guys, I mean people who listen to this and by people who listen to this, I mean, got to be smarter than the other guys because at least you know you should know what you're talking about because we know what we're talking about there's nothing i enjoy more than watching you guys fight my fights for me like make the exact points that i would make i just want to hug you when i see you do that so if you want to go if you want to go find somebody that's making dumb points and make smart points so i don't have to be involved i'd i'd, I'd hug you i'd hug you through twitter so uh mike wallen he, he is what he tweeted at me he said um all this will do is create a wider gap between big schools and smaller Division I schools. No more small schools go into the Final Four. It'll just be blue buds if this bill passes nationwide. Again, that's from Mike Walland at Mike, W-A-H-L-U-N-D. Here's the problem. And, and, and let me be clear. I, this is not a unique thought to Mike. A lot of people think this. It'll separate the big boys from the little boys. Uh, more so than they're already separated. First off, I should say, the NCAA likes to act like there is no separation. They keep talking about, we want to maintain a level playing field. Like, what do you mean? You can't maintain a level playing field. You can't maintain anything if it doesn't exist. Like, I, like, like I've been out of town for three days. My wife, bless her heart, she's been here trying to run a store and take care of three boys. and, and also, like, the, the, Our house is a little messy right now. So if I, if I woke up this morning and said, all right, guys, 
Today, my goal is to maintain a clean house. It wouldn't make any sense because there's like Legos all over the floor, right? We, we cannot maintain a clean house. We don't have a clean house right now. Similarly, with the NCAA, you can't maintain a level playing field. There is no level playing field. You really think Duke and Duquesne, they sound alike. Duke and Duquesne sound alike. You really think they're operating on the same playing field? Like, uh, you, you go to Duke, you get to charter every flight. You go to Duquesne, you ain't doing that. You go to Duke, every game's on big national television. Duquesne, you ain't doing that. Duke, incredible facilities. Duquesne, something less. Duke, um, you're you, – like, I could do this for an hour. You get the point. There's nothing similar between Duke and Duquesne. They play the same sport. They're competing for the same championship. They are not on a level playing field. So, there is no level playing field. But what some people suggest is that – even if there is an uneven playing field, boy, it'll just get wider and it'll be the end of the Cinderella's in college basketball. No more Butlers, no more Loyola Chicago's, no more VCU's, no more George Basins. And to that, I would say this. And here's why they think that. They say, you, if you were to, if I could, if I were on a phone with Mike right now, I'd say, Mike, why, why do you think that? Why do you think we'd be the end of the Cinderella's? He'd say, well, because now it's just going to be the big boys spending all the money, so they'll get all the best players. And I'll say, Mike, that's what happens right now. They get all the best players right now. What player at Loyola Chicago do you think Duke would have bought? <laughs> what player at VCU, once upon a time, do you think Kentucky would have just gobbled up? What player... At George Mason, once upon a time, do you think North Carolina would have outbid George Mason for? Here's the truth. You go to this system, and even if it does become a recruiting tool, and I do believe it will, it would, um, Kentucky's still going to get the same dudes Kentucky gets right now. Duke's going to get the same dudes Duke gets right now. Carolina's going to get the same dudes Carolina's going to get right now. And guess what else? George Mason's going to get the same dudes George Mason gets right now. And Loyola Chicago is going to get the same dudes that they get. And then the NCAA tournament is going to start. And inevitably, because it happens now more than it used to, some so-called Cinderella is going to dance deep into that bracket. And they'll do it with a roster of guys that these big boys you're worried about buying your players didn't have any interest in whatsoever. I've said it a million times. The order of things will not change. You allow student-athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Yes, it is true. The big boys will use it as a recruiting tool, and they will get the best prospects in the country. It is already what happens. Dan Wetzel had a, a great uh, stat in a column that he wrote earlier this week at Yahoo Sports. He went back and looked at the most recent high school class um, football prospects. There were 97 five-star players. I can't remember whether he was using 24-7 or scout or rivals or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Just one recruiting service. There were 97 five-star players. And 55 of them signed with one of the same five schools, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, or LSU. Those five schools, there's more than 100 Division I football programs. Those five schools got 57% of the five-star prospects. And guess what? By the way, you go look at the AP poll right now. Guess who's ranked one through five? Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and LSU. It's amazing. Those five schools get more than half of the five-star prospects. Those five schools are ranked one, two, three, four, five in the AP poll. So if you're really worried that this new system is going to lead to the biggest schools just going out and buying all the best players, I'm not saying they're going out and buying all the best players right now. But I am saying they're going out and getting all the best players right now, one way or another. So the order of things does not change at all. 
the biggest football programs would still get the same prospects they get right now and the other ones would get the same level of prospects they get while I can acknowledge that there could be, you know, if you just get a wild booster at, um, you know, the, 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 you know, like Houston has got this, this, this booster who just went out and bought Dana Hogerson from West Virginia. Tillman right? Fertitta, right, yeah. Right. He'll throw, maybe he just decided, listen, we're going to be a player in basketball and we're going to compete with Kentucky and North Carolina and, and Kansas for basketball prospects, and I'm just going to sign the whole world to endorsement deals or at least put them on the table. Um, perhaps that would happen at a place here or there, but I don't care. It's fine with me. You know, It doesn't bother me at all. But, but here's what I've forever said. The, if you change the rule today, snap your fingers, and we're all operating, the entire country, under California law. So student athletes can negotiate, have agents who negotiate name, image, and likeness rights deals however they see fit. If we looked at the recruiting rankings in football, men's basketball, the next 10 years, they'd look very similar than the previous 10 years. If we looked at the final four, um, uh, final four teams for the next 10 years, they'd look very similar to the final four teams from the previous 10 years. Same thing in football. The order of things will not change that much. And this is another point that Dan Wetzel made in the column that I think is great. Um, People are so worried about the gap widening. Right now, the gap's already crazy wide. It could actually um, close the gap a little bit. That's right. Again, just theoretically. And, and here's why. Here's the point he makes. Um, right now, Boise State can never beat Alabama for a quarterback prospect. I mean, unless the, the, the kid's from Boise or for some reason. Like, there's some weird circumstances. But even then, they got to fight. But, like, straight up, Boise State and Alabama recruiting the same quarterback prospect from Southern California. Uh, Boise's got no chance at that. But what if the Boise coaching staff could sit down with this quarterback prospect and say, hey, listen, you go to Alabama, they've got, let's say it was last year, right? He says, listen, they've got Tua Tungvaloa there. Um, they're recruiting another five-star who's better than you. So at best, you're going to step on campus and you're the third-string quarterback enrolling in a class where they've got a better quarterback prospect than you, which means you might just be a backup forever at Alabama. We don't know, but like you're definitely a backup in your freshman year, probably redshirting. And then after that, they got this other kid who, who at least on paper is better than you. So good luck. Probably going to end up transferring. But um, you come to Boise right out of high school. You're going to be our starting quarterback from day one. And we've got a car dealership that's willing to offer you, again, don't quibble with the numbers. I, I don't, the numbers could be higher, lower, or exactly right. The, the numbers aren't the point. They, they could sit down and say, $250,000 car lot um, endorsement deal. You can sign it on the day you enroll, and you'll be our starting quarterback from the jump. Now, if you're, the, if you're that quarterback prospect, you've got something to think about. Okay, like I can go to Alabama and, yeah, probably get some kind of deal, but probably not that, and then maybe never play. Or I can go to Boise, be the starting quarterback from day one and $250,000 deal? All right, I guess I'll go to Boise. Like, it wouldn't be – that scenario is much more realistic under that system yes. than, than a Boise – than a prospect right now just saying, I'd like to announce I'm taking my talents. And then he's got the Alabama hat sitting here and the Boise hat sitting here. And he takes the Alabama hat and thumps it to the side. And then he takes the Boise hat. I'm going to be a Boise State – are they Cowboys? What are Boise State's? Come on, man. Boise State. Come on. Are, don't look what, it up. What are I they? No, are the, don't look it up. What are they? Come on. Are they the Bulls? The Bulls? <laughs> the Boise State? State Bulls? Dude, just what? picture the logo. What are we doing right now? Dude, I even have Boise State basketball shorts. Yes. Come what? on, man. Bad. Bison? What? The Bison? Bison? 
You're 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 in the alliterative, you know, right you're you're warm. Not the bulls, not the bison. The Broncos. There we go. I should have never brought this. We're edit this out. No, absolutely not. <laughs> it's not getting edited out. I don't want to hear from them or the Boise State. Broncos. I'm calling Leon Rice after this. Um I actually get I actually got these Boise State shorts from Leon Rice. I wear them all the time. I love my Boise State shorts. I've worn a wiffle ball championship wearing Boise State shorts. I actually, I've, I've, seen, that, I've seen that photo. Okay, hold on. So, I've been, my, my point is, go ahead. you got that way better chance under the new system of, of Boise State actually beating an Alabama for a prospect than you do under the current system. So, again, it wouldn't, it wouldn't widen the gap. I don't even know how you could widen the gap at this point. But it might actually close the gap, which means if you're out there screaming – this is just going to make it worse. You don't know what you're talking about. I've been saying this. I can't even tell you how long. I actually think that is way more likely that we will have that scenario play out in football and in men's basketball where, yeah, you're going to have the same schools by and large land in the top five, top 10. I get all that, but you're going to have more instances where a player that's in a top 15 winds up going to an Oklahoma or, you know, Oregon's a bad example because they're already kind of flushed with the Nike support and all that, but, uh, or a Washington or a Missouri, just, just name a school or you just never know. And that makes it more interesting. And beyond all of that, Okay, I'll close it with this. Um, there, you know, the consternation surrounding this whole entire issue is kind of what you know what the uncertainty, slippery slope, all this stuff, uh, unintended consequences. No, I want unintended consequences because the the crazier this gets, Parrish, the better it is for us. There's there's more for us to talk about, to debate about, to write about. So I want the ridiculousness to come, okay? I, I want a better situation for college athletes to be able to profit off their name, image, and likeness. But if there are some completely absurd scenarios, I'm not rejecting that. I want the most insane kind of things that you can imagine to happen because it's ultimately good for college sports and that kind of money being there could also help college basketball in a huge way because we are seeing more and more college players leave for the draft, not get drafted, be okay with it and try and pursue that. It might be a, a rightful pursuit, a wrongful pursuit, whatever. If you have the opportunity to make $10,000, $30,000, $50,000, $80,000, maybe that keeps you around a little bit longer. That's ultimately better for the sport. The problem is that the college presidents are not willing to sacrifice that. They'd rather just cling to this idea of amateurism because to them that is more valuable and incorrectly, I mean, this is just stupid, but whatever. It's more valuable to them to have the those pillars of their uh, of the rule book stay as opposed to no let's actually have the 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 stars of the game the guys who are you know future NBA players future NBA draft picks but who would be better to come back a year or two you know the way they used to when you talk about the glory years of college basketball in the 70s and 80s if you're able to entice them to stay with the kind of money that's what actually makes the sport better but they can't see the forest for the trees on that no, I mean, like, let's put an actual face on this. Um, Jared Harper at Auburn, tremendous basketball player, helped the Tigers, Auburn Tigers. Got it. Auburn <laughs> Bulls, no. Tigers, yes. Uh, the Auburn Bison? Yeah. <laughs> he helped the Auburn Bison get to uh, the, the Final Four, right? And then he enters the draft, and I believe he went undrafted. Okay? What if um, his options weren't returned to Auburn for scholarship and cost of attendance stipend? Um, I know you're about to make a joke, given that Auburn's in NCAA trouble. Like, <laughs> I know you're about to say, perhaps that wasn't really his option, Farage, but just play along. I got you. Um, what if his options weren't return to Auburn for 
cost of attendance, stipend, and scholarship, or enter the NBA draft and hope for the best? What if his options were return to Auburn and there's a local bank that wants to sign you to a $150,000 deal and you can be a preseason All-American and maybe try to go back-to-back Final Fours, who knows, even win a national championship, or enter the NBA draft, fingers crossed, hope for the best. Like, then if you're Jared Harper, you might go, dude, even if I get to the even if I get to the NBA, I'm just sitting on a bench. If I don't get to the NBA, then I'm overseas or in a G League. Nobody cares. You tell me I can come back to campus, make one hundred fifty thousand dollars, play one more year of college basketball, be on a preseason top ten team, be a preseason All American, um, play in SEC arenas every night, national television every night, maybe try to win a national championship, at least go back to another Final Four. I'm gonna stay in school. There is no denying that the system that California has proposed would lead to more prospects like Jared Harper returning to school. You ain't keeping Zion around. You ain't keeping RJ around. But could you keep the countless, you know, uh, guys who are picked anywhere from 45 to 60 or undrafted who just want to go get a paycheck however they can now? You could keep those guys in school. I don't think there's any doubt. Trivia time. Okay, okay. So you didn't know Boise State. Can you tell me Utah State? They're the Aggies. All right. Let's just tour through Mountain West real quick oh, here. Yeah, come on. You got, I think, you know what? No, I think that you will get all but maybe one of these. You should be able to get them all. All right, Nevada, come on. That's the Wolfpack. That's right. And, and, and Wolfpack, two words. That's right. Two words, capital W, capital P. Fresno State. That's the Bulldogs. There we go. I thought you might get a little. Uh, all right. San Diego State. You act like Rodney Terry didn't coach at Fresno State. <laughs> That's right. San Diego State, are you familiar with that institution? That's the Aztecs. <laughs> it's the Aztecs. I think the Aztecs fans love you. Uh, UNLV. Come on. Dude, the Aztec fans actually held a sign <laughs> on a CBS Sports Network game that said, Fire Gary Parrish while I was in studio. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> a really an under-discussed moment. Uh, UNLV, obviously, we know. They're it. the running rebels. Okay. How about Air Force? Falcons. Good job. That's 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 a, that's a little tricky one for some people. Boise State Bulls, of course, you got that one. Uh, Colorado State Rams. All right, see, look at you. We only got a couple more to go. Three more. New Mexico. Uh, Lobos. There we go. Wyoming. Cowboys. Last one. San Jose State. Ooh. Yeah. Are they the Spartans? They are the Spartans. Congrats. The easy way to remember that is, and I believe they have not changed their floor, they might have the most absurd court in Division One basketball with these huge Spartans and their shields and all that. And on that topic, <laughs> we, we got to get out of here, but I do want to talk about this. What the hell <laughs> is up with Memphis's court? You were at Midnight Madness on Thursday. Um Penny, I think, said something else about I don't. You got if you want to bring up what he said. I actually don't know what he said, but apparently he made a headline locally, so you can talk about that. No, but, uh, he made a national headline. He got on pardon the interruption. He said that he's watched all the tape of Kentucky, Michigan State, right. came, everybody else, and when he watches his guys, he knows um, they're about to win a national championship. <laughs> he said he he not he didn't say we have the pieces to maybe win a national championship. He said we're winning a national championship, which by the way, I don't think I've ever heard a college basketball coach say. Did he say it was this year, though? Yes. What? Well, listen, I love you. Love it. I mean, you actually love it. I enjoy this kind of copy. Did he repeat that at Midnight Madness, which wasn't Midnight Madness? With this, it, it's thing called Memphis off. Madness, right? Memphis Madness. Um, there we go. Yeah. He, 
he um, did not repeat it, but he did not back away from it. He said, listen, like, if people want to be offended, they can be offended. I believe in my guys. And, I, like, I get all that. I guess the, the thing that makes it interesting is that, like, on the day that Penny said this, or on the day that Dana O'Neill at The Athletic published the column in which Penny said this, I was literally sitting in a hotel room with the coach of the preseason number one team who is a about who who is the favorite in Las Vegas to actually win a national championship this season? That's Tom Izzo at Michigan State because that was a Big Ten media day, and I talked to Tom for maybe fifteen minutes one on one on camera, and not one time did he even mention national championship. Like if I brought it up, he'd be like, "Listen, you know, I, I you know I see the polls, I know what we're, you know, because they're about to be ranked number one in the AP poll for the first time in school history." Yep. Pre- and I asked him, that was my first question, so what took you so long to get a preseason number one team there? <laughs> what have you been the- doing wrong, Tom, they, for the past 25 they, years? I, I read I read that you're a Hall of Fame coach, and yet you've never had a preseason number one. That seems weird. Explain yourself, Tom Izzo. So he was laughing at that. But he never. the point is he never, he never said anything about a national championship, except for unless I brought it up, he'd say, listen, you know, um, man, it'd be great. It, you know, it'd be great. I, I like my team. But I started thinking about it. John Calipari, Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, Bill Self, Jay Wright, Tony Bennett. I don't think I've ever heard a coach mm-hmm. in sport say, we're going to win a national championship. And yet Penny Hardaway said it um, in a column posted earlier this week. It is pretty wild. It's very wild. And I guess we'll kind of get deeper into that uh, on, on podcast here as we prep for the preseason throughout October. But that was, I mean, I, I love that Penny is not the can quote, man. I mean, he will, he'll say just about anything. Uh, he brings a certain verve to the profession that is very welcomed. I have doubts about Memphis being at the top of the sport. I, I, I got to see it happen, man. I mean, a lot of talent, five freshmen going to rely on them, tons of pressure. That city, it's going to be it, – they are the most intriguing team heading into the season. The Michigan State will be the consensus number one. But it will be uh, it will be Memphis that I think has more chatter and discussion than just about anyone, and I I I really do even include that with Kentucky and Duke this year, who will be plenty interesting, a lot to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we won't be short on drama here and there in terms of storylines and all that. But there is something with Memphis this year that is going to be uh, fascinating. But seriously, what's with the court? Like, what what are they doing? That thing is hideous, man. Like, so they, so they unveiled the court. It's uh, terrible, Paris. This is this is uh, come on, it's ridiculous. I don't like it. I don't, how about this? I don't like it, and my mother's friend is the person who painted it. Oh my right? god! Okay. First of all, so of my, course, of course, your mother's friend is the person who painted the freaking court. So my, so my mom texted me last night. She's like, "My friend of twenty five years painted the court," and I'm like, "Yeah, I don't really like it that much. Kind of looks like uh, <laughs> Papa Smurf dingaling <laughs> in the in the lane, you know? <laughs> you know? It looks like Cookie Monster. Looks like they made the lanes Cookie Monsters dingaling. Like, what are they doing?" Why did they do that? So they <laughs> unveiled at Memphis Madness. There's 18,000 people there, which, by the way, um, speaks to the enthusiasm, speaks to the passion for the program, but the enthusiasm Penny's created. I, I really like can, can, Kentucky, Kansas, probably Louisville, Indiana, um, Carolina, Carolina. The list of schools that could get 18,000 people for a madness event on a Thursday night is very, very short. And yet they did it. And they don't just do it, um, hey, show up, doors are open. Because it's, you know, this is a downtown NBA arena. 
like you'll just have all sorts of drunks from Bill Street just stumbling in. Like it, it they used to just open the doors and just come on in, and it became a problem. <laughs> so it's like all sorts of people would come. <laughs> so they started ticketing it, and they started um, selling the tickets. And so these tickets are like twenty bucks, ten bucks. They're, they're like, do they really? It, yeah. You can't don't get in for free. Eighteen thousand people on a Thursday night. Um, so it's a it's a it's a hell of a spectacle. And then they had Future there. Um, John Morant was there, number two pick in the draft to the yeah. Memphis Grizzlies. He was there courtside. Chris Douglas Roberts, the last consensus first team All American from Memphis, he was there. Um, uh, Future was there. Moneybag Yo, little baby, Key Glock, Key Glock. No idea. Key Glock was the only one I didn't know. No idea who that is. They were like, because like it's funny. We're, we're sitting courtside, and I'm with a bunch of the Memphis writers, right? So it's like. Um, Jeff Calkins from the Daily Memphian and Drew Hill from the Daily Memphian. I could go on down the list, but it, it, older white guys. That, that's the that's the whole deal. And then uh, we got a buddy um, who used to work with us at my radio station. Now he works for the Grizzlies. His name's Devin Walker. He's an a- young African-American man. So the older white guys, would every time somebody come out, they'd be like, Devin, who's that? <laughs> and he'd be like, that's uh, that's young Dolph or whatever. Yeah. And so I knew all of them except, like, even I. Like, they, some guy comes out with a microphone, and I'm like, Yo, Devin, who's that? He's like, Glock. I'm like, I don't know nothing. I don't know nothing about Key Glock. I know Future and Moneybag and Little Baby. I, I'm unfamiliar with Key Glock. But the, the thing there is the the main attraction was obviously Future, but the main, main attraction was for the recruits was Little Baby. And this is the reason he was there. Jalen Green was um, at Memphis Madness last night, top three player in the class of 2020. I think he's going to be awesome when he gets to college, yeah. Yeah, he's on, like, you know, in one of these stories somewhere, who's your favorite rapper? Lil Baby. So Penny went out and got Lil Baby. Like, that's why. Jalen Green's going to be there. We'll get his favorite rapper and put him right in front of him. Man. And and uh, so, like, rappers everywhere, and then they do the introductions. Did you see Penny's introduction? I did not. Okay, it's wild. <laughs> so there was a quote from back in the offseason where he had said something else that people took offense to, and there was a press conference, and, and he said uh, – Somebody asked him, like, you know, it sounded like, you know, some Tennessee fans were upset about this or somebody was upset about something. And he was like, listen, I, I don't do coach speak. I don't care. We want all the smoke. Like, you know, we're Memphis. We got the number one recruiting class in America. We're trying to win a national championship. Like, bring us all the smoke. We'll take it. All of it. And so they come out last night for warm-up, you know, like for Memphis Madness. They got new warm-ups on the back. All the smoke. That's what it says on the back of the Memphis warm-ups. So Man. Penny comes out. To futures, all the smoke with a smoke machine. Yeah, and he's got the all the smoke hoodie on with the hoodie pulled up, and he's just up there like with his arms stretched out like I'm king of the world. Yeah. The whole thing's a spectacle. And then they they unveil the court, and it looks like Papa Smurf dingaling. What did they do that for? Don't get it, man. It's for people it, haven't seen it. Just go to you can you Google can check it, it out. It's oh, just oh, it's oh, weird, man. You're gonna have this team with all this swag playing on that court. It's such yeah. a disconnect. I don't I don't the, get the, it. What, the thing the main thing I don't like is the it's 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 a like a light blue, like a watery blue. It looks like, like the underwater level in Mario sixty four. Like it's weird. Like, it looks like an underwater level in Mario sixty four. So I'm not a big fan of the court. Um, I, like you, have questions about the team, but I do agree with you. They're going to be, and I wrote this for last week, I think. Like, they're probably going to become just the fourth team in college basketball history to start four, to start five freshmen, and probably the, just the second team in college basketball history to start five freshmen in the opening game. And they will be one of the biggest stories in college basketball. 
either because they're awesome or because they're not awesome. And either way, it's a massive story because if they're awesome, you got a second-year coach talking crazy to everybody who has got this awesome basketball team. And if they're not awesome, you got the guy that enrolled the number one recruiting class in America talking about we're going to win a national championship, and now they just lost to Oregon by 14, and they're not even ranked anymore. Like Either way, it's a big story. It will be very interesting, and we'll, we got plenty more as we kind of get toward the start of the season. We'll get into uh, a lot of the predictions, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, let's wrap it up. I'm going to be at ACC Media Day, which is on Tuesday. Um, so, you know, we can if you want to try and plan for a pod like next Wednesday, anything comes out of ACC Media Day, we can talk, you know, just general ACC stuff. We can uh, we can try and make it happen. But thanks for the listeners. You know, sorry we got this to you late on a Friday, but uh, it was just one of those crazy weeks. But we made it up for you. Look at this, 70-minute podcast. We, lo- we love the listeners, so we got, it, we got it done for you. No problem. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M. F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell and please. Like I said at the top, go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts for two reasons. A, um, it'll keep you from tweeting and asking us, when's the next episode going to be there? But B, um, you know, it's just a it's good thing to do. You never have to think about it anymore. Like uh, you just wake up one day and like, boom, right in your phone. New episode of the Ion College Basketball Podcast. Boom, right there. So please go subscribe. Rate it favorably. Five stars with nice comments. And we will talk to you again. Uh, Wednesday sounds good to me. Talk to you again next Wednesday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.